0: Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Monday! Hey, I didn't jinx us all. We had uh, we had a pretty good day for Halloween. Kids got out, uh, did a little uh, trick or treating, and uh, honestly, it was it was a good day. I hope everybody uh, got to uh, you know get outside and and uh, enjoy. You know, it, it's frosty in the mornings. I'm not acting like it isn't uh, a little bit chilly, but geez, uh, compared to some of the years we've had, it was pretty darn good. Sunday for uh, having the kids out and doing a little trick or treating and, uh, you know, getting some candy and and all that good stuff. Now, let's get on to today's episode sponsors before we get to uh, today's show. Carly Kloss and the team over at Windsor Plywood, builders of the podcast studio table for everything uh, wood. These are the guys. I always suggest going on to their social media, uh, their Instagram, do a little creeping, in, in, and uh, see what they got cooked up. Of course, they did build the podcast studio and when you're looking for a slab of wood and you want something unique, I'm just saying, Windsor's got it going on. They got some they got some really cool uh, chunks of wood that you can, you know, use for a table like uh, like I did, the river table, or I've seen some mantles they've done, et cetera. And, uh, man, I, like I said, go on their social media, see the visuals for yourself. I mean, if we're talking mantles, decks, windows, doors, or sheds, uh, they're the guys, all right? 780-875-9663 is how you get a hold of them. Jen Gilbert and the team, uh, for over 45 years since 1976, the dedicated realtors of Coldwell Banker Cityside Realty have served Lloydminster and the surrounding area. Star Power is what they're providing their clients with seven-day-a-week access because they know big life decisions are not made during office hours. I'm kind of curious. Uh, if Jen, if you, you listen to this, I wonder if many people look at houses on, on Halloween. Would that tick you off to... You got your house for sale, and then on Halloween, you got a. What did you be upset about that? I don't know. I guess if you're trying to sell it, you're like, who cares? I just want. I just want to have somebody come take a look at it. Hey, I don't know. Uh, that's Coldwell Banker, Cityside Realty. Uh, for everything real estate, they are uh, the folks 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I assume even during Halloween. Uh, give them a call, 780-875-3343. Mortgage broker, Jill Fisher. Obviously, her name says it all. She probably serves the areas of Minster, Bonneville, Cold Lake, and Vermillion, and she's looking forward to working with you for all your mortgage needs. I talk about this an awful lot, um, that right now mortgage rates – are, are, you know, kind of bouncing all over the place. They got to be extremely low and they've started to come up somewhat. Uh, I am not the expert by any stretch of the imagination. I just know if you're thinking about renewing your mortgage or you're buying a house, et cetera, uh, why not take a look into Joel Fisher, jfisher.ca, or give her a call 780-872-2914. She'll help clear up all the the difficulties or the confusion around mortgage rates and get you to where you need to be. Clay Smiley and Profit River. Yeah, and I drove by and they got the. I always love... Like Profit River, I feel like they're Fort Knox. You know, their, their newest place... Their, sorry, their, their their current spot on Highway 17, when they built the the gate out front, I'm like, yeah, that'd be... Co-. You know, that's a cool business where they get to have a little bit of fun, you know? Like, how are we going to beef up security so nobody can get through this? Well, their new building has a, a giant um, overhead door, right? An overhead door to, you know, come in and go. And uh, they got this giant gate being built on it. I'm like, man, I just, I, wa- I want to even just talk to the guy who's building that. Like, what a project to have. Anyways, I'm I'm a dork, probably. Of course, they sp- they, they specialize in importing firearms from the United States of America. They pride themselves in making it as easy as possible Um all that pesky paperwork, et cetera, that you can imagine comes with firearms while they take care of that. They make sure it's an easy, easy process. Uh, they obviously are the major retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories serve all in serving all of Canada. Just go to profitriver.com and, uh, check them out today. All right. And of course, a, a little update on the inside of that building. Uh, they got the flooring being installed and phase one of their custom, uh, walnut cabinetry is complete and ready, uh, is on its way. So, very soon, that place is going to be up and running. I look forward to uh, seeing everything they got going on in there. Trophy Gallery, they're located downtown Lloyd Minster. They're Canada's supplier for Glass and crystals, uh, Crystal Awards. I just got a new uh, um, a new box of mugs from, uh, from Clint and the team. Man, they're sharp. They just, like, I'm a coffee guy. uh and I love a good mug, and they—I got these these mugs with the SMP logo on them, and they're just like—they are sharp. Anyways, that—that's what Clint does. He—he makes—he uh, makes the podcast look awesome. He can do the same thing for for you. It certainly doesn't have to be uh, a mugs by any stretch of imagination. The the selection is quite wild. He he can do a lot of different uh, sizes, shapes, price ranges, etc. Just go to TrophyGallery.ca, and uh, of course when I was. Walking through the store, he's got a bunch of signed memorabilia. Some of the new stuff I saw was uh, was um, Toronto Blue Jays uh, gear. Then what a year they had! And of course, we got the the World Series going on right now. The Blue Jays aren't there, but you kind of get the if you got the you know a little bit of the the ball fever going on. Uh, stop in the trophy gallery and see what see what uh, memorabilia you can pick up, all right? Or just go to trophygallery.ca. s and uh, the billboard. Uh, if you're looking for outdoor signage. I push you towards Read & Write Advertising here in town. Um, They make the podcast look sharp. All i got to do is look around the office, whether we're talking the frosted windows or the wall quote, the S&P logo on the wall. That's all from uh, the team over at Read & Write. Just give them a call today, 306-825-5111. And finally, Gartner Management is a Lloyd Minster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs. Whether you're looking for a small office or a 6,000-square-foot commercial space, give Wade Gartner a call, 780-808-5025. And if you're heading into any of these businesses, make sure you let them know you heard, them fro- uh, heard about them from the podcast, right? Now, let's get on to that T-Bar 1 tale of the tape. A doctor of veterinary medicine, a wife a mother of two, and a concerned citizen. Talking about Brandy Suva. So buckle up. Here we go.
1: This is Dr. Brandy Suva and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Brandy Suva. So first off, thanks for hopping on.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Um, so we got, you know, uh, when your story came down, um, I I was saying before we started, I, I get a lot of things across my desk, my figurative desk, uh, as you can see, it's more of a table, um, but, but when it came across and then I started digging into it because, you know, you live in my area, we went to school together, uh, I just, I'm like okay this is you gotta come in here we gotta we gotta talk about this now people have no idea what i'm talking about because we we literally have people from all over alberta saskatchewan into the states etc uh tuning into this so maybe first let's do this brandy let's give uh just start with a little bit about yourself some of your background uh so people can get a feel for who you are
1: okay well yeah like you mentioned my name is brandy suva uh born and raised in this area we farm Um, And in addition to that, I underwent uh, numerous years of education, 12 years to be exact, with a Bachelor of Science, um, which I achieved with an honours degree. And following that, I pursued my Doctor of Veterinary Medicine. Once graduating, I traveled to Toronto to undergo two years of uh, additional training in the area of surgery, and then I completed my last year of training Uh, Third year in surgery at Washington State University where I did a internship and fellowship position Did you actually get to go to Washington? Yes, I was there for over a year You
0: lived in Washington for over a year. Yeah. What did you think of living in Washington?
1: Washington State so Pullman. Yes Yes. Um, It was fantastic honestly, and that's where I met my husband Uh, He's a former United States um, Marine. He was a sergeant in the Marine Corps served as country for many years overseas, Iraq, Afghanistan, um, and during the time, you know, after 9-11 uh, with the, you know, the war on freedom. So I, you know, I absolutely loved my time there. Honestly, there are some of the nicest people in the world that, that you were around down there. You're walking down the street and people are just happy to talk and say hi and help out anybody. And it was just a fantastic Situation and the university is gorgeous. Um, they are world leading in a lot of different surgical procedures in veterinary medicine. Um, and just, yeah, I'm very grateful to have been involved with that.
0: How on earth, I'm married to an American as well. I'm married to a a girl from Minnesota. How on earth did you convince a Marine to move to Canada?
1: (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Yes, he is, you know, he loves his country, obviously. He will die for his country. Um, And I guess I will will say what he said to me uh, when we met and when, you know, our relationship progressed and we ended up getting married down there. And he said to me, I will follow you anywhere. And I mean, it's a beautiful thing to say. And yeah. that's how.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, uh. I always find it interesting when an American moves up here. I moved my wife from Minneapolis. We we have a good idea of what Minneapolis, the size of it is, yeah. a couple million, yeah. to Hillmont, Saskatchewan. <laughs> think,
1: exactly. Think,
0: think about that. Very the, different. The bustling metropolis yeah. of Hillmont, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not here to talk about uh, marriages and, and family. Well, maybe, maybe well, who knows where yeah. it'll go. But um, I guess if you could lead us through what happened a couple days ago yes. and and we'll just we'll start there brandy and yeah. and take your time uh i'm going to apologize right away because uh my curiosity always gets the best of me so <laughs> i apologize if i ask too many questions or if uh, they're inappropriate i just I, i'm just curious and i know the, the listeners will be curious uh, mm-hmm. as well to just figure out exactly what what happened so yes.
1: Well, like I said, I'm very happy to be here, um, except that I'm not happy to be here under these circumstances, unfortunately, to discuss this incident. I wish it was under a better situation that we were sitting here having a conversation. Uh, But the incident happened October 26th, a few days ago. Um, We, Mark and I, have two children, Hudson, who is five and a half, uh, and Adeline, who's two and a half, and Hudson started kindergarten this year. Uh, He is on the Buffalo Trail Public School Division, and um, we live in the country, and therefore he goes on rural busing. His bus time is quite long, as most rural bus times are. You know, in the morning, it's not so bad. It's about a 35-minute bus ride. But in the evening, it's an hour and 15 minutes in total, which is in itself, you know, perfectly fine. Um... The busing experience, especially you know, for me when I was growing up, and you know, you mentioned yourself is, you know, it's a, it's fun. It's a great time to be on a bus. Um, and so, it's just so,
0: and it's something very uh, uh, normal in this area, right? Like yes. I, like when you say rural busing school uh, system, you know, people in the big city maybe have a dip, well, I, they certainly do it differently than we do it. But when you live in Hillmont, Saskatchewan, I always bring it back to Hillmont like the entire place is rural. So it doesn't matter where you live, you're on the bus. And sometimes that can be an hour and 15 minutes. Sometimes it can be two minutes, right? But I think that goes across the board for where we live. All these little communities are rural busing systems.
1: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So uh, Hudson uh, and any other kindergartner on the bus, honestly, you know, grade one, two, three, our bus drivers always told us since we started you know him in school in September is that he sleeps on the bus in the evening so do the rest of them this is fairly normal you know our bus driver jokes that you'll have kids that are you know falling asleep and falling on top of each other falling out of their seats and whatnot and and that's fairly normal and you know for a child the age of five who is now adjusting to their brand new career as a student you know an eight-hour day away from home um, and, you know, everything that's involved with that, you know, their brain growing, all the stuff they're learning, you know, sleeping on the bus is quite fine, and, and, and none of us have ever had an issue with it, and the bus driver's never had an issue with it. So that's fairly normal, um, but most recently, and what happened was uh, Hudson, you know, when they're riding the bus, are required to wear a mask, and I mention that because grade four and under in school, at least in our uh, Buffalo Trail, is not required to wear a mask at school unless there's an outbreak, in which case they're required to mask for two weeks, and it, and it kind of progresses from there. Um, but on the busing situation, because it's, it's uh, public transport or considered public transport, they're all required to be masked. So Hudson had, as usual, fallen asleep um, at some point, we presume. And he, when they got to, you know, our home, his bus stop, his bus driver attempted for about a 10-minute period of time to uh, arouse him, essentially. She describes him as sitting there um, slunched over completely in his seat. You know, he's three and a half feet tall, so, really quite slunched in those seats, if you know what they, you know, they look like. And what she could see was just his eyes and they were staring forward, men not moving. Otherwise, she couldn't see any more of him. She couldn't see his face. She couldn't see he was wearing a hat. You know, he was wearing his coat. We're getting into colder weather now. And he was wearing his cloth mask that as every small child as parents would attest to is always soaked and for that reason I sent him with you know four and five masks to school so that he might change them through the day you know as they as they become damp um, or even the the disposable masks Um, but it was it was completely saturated and it was stuck to his face and so after about 10 minutes of trying to you know Arouse him or get any indication of you know response from him My husband standing outside of the school bus Holding our daughter and I'm not home. I'm at work 45 minutes away Was watching this and didn't quite get the gravity of the situation because what he could see is that there's just somebody, you know, she's trying to get his attention, so he assumed that Hudson was just simply sleeping. Um, Our bus driver describes this situation as what's going through her head is, she's thinking, do I get up and do I, do I touch him? Do I go, do I go to him? And she's scared, in her mind, she's scared to do that because she's scared of the repercussions of, of what would happen if she was to do that with everything that's going on with COVID, with people being you know, offended by having their children touched or whatever it is. So this is what's going through her mind. She feels that she can't. It's been so inundated into her, you know, what the rules are for her, that she feels that she can't go to him and assess him face-to-face.
0: Yeah, properly.
1: Yes, properly. So she calls my husband onto the bus, which again, right now, because of COVID, is not strictly speaking aloud. But she's in a situation that she can't now control. So he gets onto the bus, picks Hudson up. He is burning hot. He is, you know, he's soaked, basically. And he's just limp. He's completely limp he carries him off the bus, he takes you know his coat off, he takes this saturated stuck mask to his face off and he waits um, and does what he can because at that point Hudson is breathing, you know he's kind of moaning, it's not that he's completely blacked out, his eyes are open but they're not really doing a lot and so you know we live fairly (laughs) far away from From the nearest hospital. So within that 10-minute period of time that it took Hudson to kind of come around, you know, I'm on the phone, I'm listening to this situation, driving home from being 45 minutes away.
0: It's a parent's worst nightmare.
1: It is. It was a feeling of hopelessness. So, and just to set the record straight, Hudson has did see his doctor and was assessed and has had numerous testing done you know um, to ensure that there wasn't anything underlying anything like that but he came around extremely fast Um, within a few hours you know he was busy gluing a a wooden tent together actually (laughs) out of of popsicle sticks so you know the long-term effects of this were nothing but, um, uh, and every, everything that's been looked into him has been completely normal. And so the discussion, you know, that has been had is a couple of things, a couple fold, in that, you know, children of that age, and I would, I dare say, you know, grade four and under, don't yet possess the mental faculties and the ability to to recognize that when they are feeling lightheaded hot you know whatever it is that they need to for example take their coat off take their mask off and that they can do that because they they just don't have that mental ability yet you know adults we do so his situation and you know what this doctor and things like that we've discussed it's almost likened to a toddler version of SIDS or or it could have been wherein they fall asleep you know they're hunched over nobody's supervising them because if this was truly public transport I'd be sitting right there beside him and you know if 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 I was worried about him I would intervene immediately but this is specifically unsupervised. So, um, and they're, they're, like I said, they were hunched over and, you know, there's something obstructing their face. And so, you know, the question becomes is, was this brought on by a mask? Was this brought on by the fact that he was sleeping and he got overheated? It doesn't much matter. The point here is that he was in distress for some reason he was in distress and because his face was covered with a physical barrier nobody could, could see. assess that yeah. so you can broaden that farther to any child and i i say child because i i want to be very specific that that you know Th- these these little guys on these buses don't quite have you know, the voice that a, an older child would, for example, or a teenager, that they can say, hey, I'm not feeling good, something like that. Um, but any child that would be undergoing some form of distress, maybe a kid hit his head on the playground at lunchtime, and they have a concussion a few hours later, and they pass out on the bus, and they have something covering their face, Nobody knows. Maybe a child is diabetic and they are hypoglycemic and they, they become lightheaded and they pass out or whatever the response to that is. Um, and they have something covering their face and nobody knows. Um, they fall asleep and they vomit on the bus, which happens quite frequently, I've found out recently. They throw up into their mask, they fall asleep They aspirate, and nobody knows. So this situation, I think, is very, very specific for rural busing and length of times because these children are simply not supervised for hour longer.
0: Yeah, one of the things one of the things that uh, we talked well, I one of my concerns of having you on, like think of the world we live in, where I have to be concerned about like how this is going to be perceived, mm-hmm. right? And maybe that world's always been there and just it's heightened in COVID. But when you say unsupervised, this isn't to to place blame on bus drivers or anyone like that. It, no. It's just the situation of what's happening for an hour and 15 minutes. They're driving along the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we come, God love our Canadian winners here. As soon as, sooner than later, we're going to have some nasty stuff. It's going to mm-hmm. be dark. It's going to be deer move and everything else a, a bus driver is focused on one thing getting our children to yeah. and from school safely uh and that's their main focus yeah um you mentioned uh, why is it called unsupervised or what uh, that's what it's termed by the government
1: yes exactly and so the 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 term for unsupervised is not something that i have come up with on my own this is inherent in the reason why there's no seat belts on buses because they have been deemed to be essentially unsupervised and so if we seat belt children what potentially could occur there children slumping down their seats you know the belt coming around their neck all these things that they cannot be adequately supervised by a bus driver busy driving a bus you know they look back in their mirror and they can see faces and now we've covered those faces but when we're talking about these little kids these little kids are three and a half feet tall they're slumped down in their seat my bus driver has flat said to me that she can't when he's sitting in his seat she can't even see him he's too short same with the other kindergartners the grade ones you know this is across the board so it you know this this idea of it being unsupervised is is inherent in busing you know student busing this is something that they've recognized already so it's it's not a a a huge reach then to say that you know these 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 children that are you know, so at risk of not being able to respond adequately from having, you know, feeling lightheaded or whatever it be, you know, should not be sitting there unsupervised with facial coverings. You know, the, even the term mask isn't correct because a mask is meant to, you know, have valves that get rid of oxygen or bring in oxygen, get rid of CO2. This is literally a facial covering. They're not meant to do that kind of a filtering. So, um, but again, like I said, this is not a masking debate because in, you know, in, in adults, you know, if like if, if you're feeling, you know, lightheaded or hot or whatever it be when you're wearing your mask, and certainly everybody does at one point, you just remove yourself from the situation. Right, you get up and you go outside and you take your mask off, you go sit in your vehicle, you pull it down because you're not scared of getting in trouble. These children are so scared of being in trouble for taking a few moments to breathe uninhibited.
0: Listen, we both have uh children, one of the things mm-hmm. that, like. When you tell the story, it makes the hair on my arms raise because I have a five-year-old who just started kindergarten, right? Uh, Fortunately, he's not on a bus. Uh, He's driven to school, right? So, like, we have dodged this for the time being, right? But I know there's a ton of parents that are going to immediately be, like, like, empathy, right? Like, they're going to be like, holy crap. I grew up a rural kid. That's all we did was ride the bus. I was fortunate; I was first stop, so I was always off first. But mm-hmm. I hated it because I always wanted to be the guy that got to ride for an hour and fifteen minutes because yeah. get to hang out with friends and everything else, right? Yeah. When it comes to when it comes to kids, we can argue at what age they know they can pull it down, etc. and mm-hmm. what when they can. But like there's right now in society, I'd argue there are adults that don't feel comfort, uh, comfortable pulling their mask down the amount of social pressure going on to conform and to do what the rules state at all times, don't think about it, is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we have young children who are, and this will be my words, not at risk from COVID, not from getting it, from like the severity of it. And we're putting in place something, because as a parent, like, like, if I rewind the clock and I heard they were going to make kids mask on a bus, I went, oh, that makes sense. Like, honestly, I, I got this rational part of my brain that goes, oh, I guess that make, makes sense. Like, they talk about COVID spreading in co- confined spaces, right? So yeah. we're protecting kids from spreading it to everybody. Okay, fair. So this was a protection, though, against something that they're not at risk of. Mm-hmm. And it almost caused, like the worst outcome. And so we're doing things to try and keep kids safe. I hope I'm explaining this, uh, the correct way, trying to keep kids safe from something that they, we shouldn't be afraid for them. Like, and all in the name of just trying to keep them safe. Yeah. Like these kids, like as parents, this is what I, you know, and I watch, uh, I'll put it on myself. I, I was a part of an arena board a year ago where we had kids skating on the ice with masks on. Oh, my. <laughs> right? And you're going like, and, and you're trying to, like, reason this out. But that was the rule across across hockey, Brandy, is that kids ate on the ice. Kids need to have their masks on, though. Yeah. Right? We're doing that to adults right now. Yeah. Right? If The rule right now is if you're vaccinated, you can go and play. If you're unvaccinated, you got to wear a mask. Yeah. And you're like... What, that's not healthy that like physical exertion one of the greatest things about this year i thought was that they weren't requiring kids to wear masks in gym class and physical exertion and outside and i was like oh man maybe things are going to start to go back normal and yeah. then this story comes and i go like we got to figure this out before yeah. something bad really happens yeah so what have you been you, you mentioned like this isn't where the story stops you've been and instead of just doing a facebook rant Uh, You put the story out on Facebook. That's how people hear about it. But since then, you know, it hasn't been that long. Uh, What's been going on behind the scenes?
1: Yes. So exactly. And and thank you for bringing that up because uh, it, this, because of this, this risk of, for these these kids of being, again, not seen, not seen to be in distress, it, I, I would like to say that I hope that this mandate, in this situation specifically, where they cross the board with busing in rural uh, situations as being public transport and therefore requiring masks, and that they just missed. Maybe they just simply overlooked the fact that small children will be on there unsupervised. Um, Because that's my hope. Because I would hope that there would be nobody out there that would have you know purposely made this this decision to do this knowing that these children are unsupervised but having said that ultimately the there is there's no one to blame with regard to the bus driver with the children around him uh with the school board even the buck ultimately stops with the government and the mandate that's come down. And so, with that in mind, I have been engaging a lot of different people in, you know, heads of position to bring about a change in this situation specifically. So, immediately that night, I drafted the uh, email that has been widely shared on, on social media.
0: And if anybody wants it, just, um, reach out to me Mm -hmm. and I can, I can pass along.
1: And, you know, I sent that to the entire school board, uh, and all the trustees that night at midnight, you know, by 1230, I already received a response from our superintendent, uh, addressing this and, you know, reaching out with, compassion and empathy for the situation that we endured, that we didn't ask for, and saying that that there is going to be a change. you know. And the very next day, in fact, at their first Board of Trustees meeting, because there's new people on the board now with the election just being completed, this specific situation and the email that I sent was addressed in their, in their meeting for about 20 minutes. We were able to watch it online, as you can, and unanimously they agreed to take this to the next step. So, but further than that, um, you know, I've been in discussions with RMLA, uh, Garth Roswell, and he's very impassioned by this specific situation and will be speaking next week in Edmonton in their caucus meetings regarding this because they also, you know, agree that because of the inherent unsupervised nature of roll busing and the length of the time, especially these small children, you know, they can't have their faces covered where they can't be seen. So, you know, it's going to, to Edmonton next week to be discussed, um, and it's, you know, it's not going to stop there you know fortunately or unfortunately however you want to look at it the this happened to the exact right or wrong mom because i will not rest until this is changed and i will die on this hill alone if i have to yeah I but you're not you're not alone i and i i didn't do understand that and there's been so much outreach from people and I, i'd like to talk about that actually in a second here but If I was the only person that had to fight this fight, I would do it because the other day I almost had nothing to lose. 10 minutes more on that bus ride may have been 10 minutes too late. There was almost nothing more to lose. You know I will stand in front of a bus or a train if I have to for my children. I will die on this hill alone. So. It's it it is more than just having you know a uh, a letter or a description of the scenario on social media. My goal is to take this to the top until it is changed, and I'm not going to stop until I do.
0: Well, I I think what you're going to find out, and you probably already found this mm-hmm. out, um, is you you like to. Uh, in your situation, it won't be the same. But people like to make you think you're alone, and mm-hmm. then you put it out, and the amount of well, I, just in, from what you've said, like you're going to learn very, very quickly, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things uh, I act like I hesitated in bringing you on. I never hesitated, <laughs> but I did have an inner turmoil of, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to just pick the one in a million story. Mm-hmm. And try and cause chaos because I've 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 learned a couple lessons through doing this podcast, and at times, um, what I think is a smart plan causes a ton of chaos, and that <laughs> chaos causes harm on people. And I understand that um, to the listener, I really understand that. And so it's funny the world we live in. My hesitation after I invited you on, which wasn't a hesitation, was more of the moral dilemma of is this a one in a million story? And then I went. Well, even if it is, it's a girl that I graduated high school with that lives in my area. If I don't talk about it, who's going to talk about it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is an interesting world we are living in where I even have that moral deliberation of like, should I bring this on? Mm -hmm. And all I got to do is just go, all I got to do, it's as simple as this. It's like, what if it was Shay? Shay's my five-year-old. Like, what if he was the guy on the, like, it's just, it's just, it it's doing it to me all over again. My, all my hair is, like, I just, yeah. my sole purpose, you talk about, I'll die on that hill alone. You won't die alone. There'll be 50,000 more parents <laughs> that'll die with you on that one. Because yeah. to me, that's, once you have children, you understand the, the responsibility that comes with it. We're here to protect them. They're going to inherit what we give them. That's what's troubling about everything that's going on right now is how do we how do we get this to the world that, that they want to you know that we can leave for them that's you know and there's many a different idea on that mm-hmm. but when it comes to this issue even if it is 1 in a million it doesn't matter it it should ne- this should never happen like ever
1: yeah and exactly and you know the the comment from people might be that this was an isolated incident and you know up until This happened, this was never even a consideration of mine that this could happen because, you know, he goes to school and at school, like I said, he's in kindergarten, so they're not required to wear masks. So for a half an hour in the morning and an hour and a half in the evening, I thought to myself. you rationalize it. Exactly, you rationalize it. I'm like, oh, this is not, this is not a concern. And I say that because in his situation specifically, he did two years of play school. Uh, in Lloydminster and he had to wear a mask this is not a foreign thing for him he tolerates it you know fine he's he's uh he's this is just something that he's learned to you know live with basically so so I thought okay well a little bit of time and then they get to school and they don't have to wear it this isn't a huge issue until this and I never even imagined in a million years that this type of situation could happen and until it did and, and we talk about whether or not this was an isolated issue, incident, and it was not. In fact, since I've had this, you know, massive outpouring of people sharing this, the, the letter that was originally written and this scenario on social media, I've had a huge amount of mothers reach out to me with private messaging or email describing situations that are exactly the same as what happened to Hudson uh, in their, in their small children, in their kindergartners, but even one mom has described similar situation with her thirteen and fourteen year olds. So, um, and and this is where we talk about how it's it's so sad that there's such a strong narrative out there right now that people don't think that they can speak up with a different opinion. Or with an with an incident like this that happened, because this is what these mothers are saying to me. They're saying to me in these detailed, excruciating emails of these situations that happened to them, that they didn't say anything because they were too scared of the outcome, of the repercussions, of how they would be perceived. Um and so they have either a pulled their children off the bus, which when you're busing an hour, you can imagine how that changes your, you know, your, your lifestyle, especially if you're work full time, if you have both parents working full time, having said that the safety of their children obviously outweighs their level of convenience. So they drive them, um, or they've gone through different routes with having, you know, uh, other, other kids in their family that are older, for example, pull masks down off their face. When they're when the little ones fall asleep you know so they've but they felt that they couldn't say anything because they were so they felt they, they would be so ostracized because the narrative right now is so strong against that and you know I'm not here to debate mask wearing in adults I'm not here to debate efficacy of mask wearing I'm not here to debate you know anything even regarding COVID um, so this situation is just a matter of safety with with the with the little kids and but these moms have all said to me in this in in their messages that they've sent I've gained strength from your letter from what you're doing and I'm currently sitting down and I'm writing my own letter to my own school board to you know the your my own MLA in the area because this is going across you know it's going across the all the provinces it's going into the states you know i've had communication with people in new zealand you know regarding this and, and and sharing it um i've had countless phone calls from from bus drivers describing similar situations you know all over alberta northern alberta southern alberta and asking to share this scenario with their school boards so well, what was seemingly an isolated incident is in fact not it's happening everywhere, and and man, it's so bad. Too bad that people are too feel too scared to speak up.
0: But that's our own. Like that is a product of where we're at right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I rewind back to what I said. Like if I don't bring you on to talk about this in our area, this is no knock on anyone in town or around Saskatchewan. I don't know. Maybe Global News has reached out to you. Global?
1: I've had a lot of different places reach out to me, um, all the way f- to Calgary, Edmonton, a lot of not specifically global news as of yet. <laughs> um, but a why. lot of different media streams. <laughs> I don't you know. know
0: why I single out global news. I just, <laughs> I, I go like, to me, you don't, up until this point, things like this that go in the face of safety towards COVID do not get talked about it's they get brushed under the rug. It's why nobody wants to all these moms you talk about are like I, I you know I I just get you know Johnny to pull down Ben's mask when he falls asleep. Just to think that's where we're at is wild. Yes. yes. Like that is wild. Yeah. But it's also, you know, we're sitting in a time that a lot of things like just common sense things don't seem to add up. And a lot of what we see on the news every day is just the same old song and dance of it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, we got to find a way to not let things like this continue to happen. Mm -hmm. Creative Mm -hmm. solutions. Mm -hmm. Get people people talking and thinking. We've been all sitting in isolated rooms for too long Mm -hmm. and just, you know, shuttered down, trying to go about our lives, not tread too much on you know just quietly get our kids to school and make sure right when nobody
1: yeah
0: it's reasonable that they wear. not okay it's, it's reasonable right okay that makes sense right and then yeah but this like slaps it right in the face like i mean honestly i don't know how many times my arm hair has got to raise every time you yeah. start talking about the story yeah. like it's just every parent can feel that yeah every every rural area when they hear this story is gonna go holy shit like that could we got kids that ride the bus for an hour like this isn't isolated to our area this is all across saskatchewan all across alberta i'm sure i'll have somebody reach out from ontario saying oh that's that's northern ontario too right and probably bc and like this isn't isolated to just us it's a system and a successful system gets used across the board yeah right and so if it's happening here like you say people reaching out chances are there's going to be a lot of school boards go, get this put on their, their table and go, holy crap, we didn't even think about this. Yeah. There, at least that's what you hope, right? I go yeah. back to what you say. You hope they go, we overlooked this or we didn't think it was a risk. Yeah. And now it is very blatantly a risk yeah. that nobody can turn away from.
1: Well, and exactly. And and I think the idea of them thinking that they didn't think this was a risk is, is really key here because... If you think back you know about who is obviously making the mandates and and whatnot these mandates for masking specifically like I said we're focusing here on the small children we're focusing here on long bus rides you know we're not talking about adult masking but these mandates regardless are made by adults for adults with the interpretation of how it feels to wear a mask by an adult with life experiences by an adult with not a consideration at all of what does it feel like to be a five-year-old in a mask they're making these mandates from the from the viewpoint of an adult and a logical adult will Think to themselves, well, geez, it's really darn simple to take that mess and pull it off your face, or to you or, know, pull it away, or to remove yourself from this situation, or to not
0: send your kid on a bus for an hour, right? Yeah. like, oh, I'll just yeah. why would anyone ever yeah. do that? Yeah, right? Like, I you, you can understand how somebody's gonna try and rationalize this, they're yes. probably trying to rationalize it right now. Yes, don't rationalize it. This is yeah. this is not good. Yeah, like, we got to figure a way to put the pressure back on the government to do what's right. And yeah. uh, honestly, pull the masks off the bloody kids, yeah. right? Like, they need to come off. Yeah. Acro- like, they've, they've learned in sports, I'll talk, about you know, we just had U7 practice. My son's playing uh, U7 hockey, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of parents can uh, uh, either sympathize or be like, oh, that's awesome, because you get these <laughs> little kids running around on the ice. I mean, it's awesome. But one of the great things is they don't wear masks this year. Yeah. And I, I can't speak to last year in U7. I just know an intro to hockey where they're trying to learn how to skate. They were all supposed to have masks on, right? Well, that's gone. Because we like we should have known back then. But everybody goes, well, you didn't know and we're worried and, and whatever. Okay, let's rationalize that that way. Yeah. Okay, but we've learned now. Yeah. And now we don't have them on them because yeah. they can't, right? Like I've skated with a mask on. Yeah. And at times I'm like, holy man, I got to slow down. And that's a grown man
1: well they're not they're not meant to be worn with physical exertion right I stand in an OR for 8 and 10 hours a day sometimes with a mask on do I have an issue with that no you know it, it doesn't impede my my breathing at all and I've never had an issue with masking and that's probably one of the reasons why I went into surgery specifically is because I do very well with a mask in fact it doesn't bother me at all Um having said that with the amount of you know years of teaching that i that i did of, of fourth year veterinary students who you know are between the ages of 26 as the youngest and probably into their early 40s you know in the, in the in that first semester of them doing actual surgical procedures with a mask on and these are on cadavers like they're not going to hurt these animals you know the amount of people that pass out because they become so overwhelmed with the fact that they feel they can't breathe properly is easily over 50% and it happens time after time year after year it's normal it's so normal that we have you know a a, a procedure that is just second nature at this point of how to catch these people sterily right? Um, because in the situation where we're, we're dealing with live animals, of course, you don't want to contaminate anything. How do you catch these people sterilely so that they don't hurt themselves and you don't, you know, put the, the animal at risk uh, of contamination? Because it's so normal. Um, these are adults. These are adults that have all their faculties about them. And so, two, like another example, two weeks ago, well, three weeks ago now at this point, one of my, uh, you know, head technicians that I work with in the orthopedic surgery scrubs in with me every time. Didn't eat breakfast that morning. And it's always the same thing that you see. Um, she, first thing that happens is that their eyes become quite glazed. You talk to them and they look around, but they don't know you're talking to them. They don't understand anything and then they turn a shade of gray that is you know probably very similar to your walls here (laughs) and then you within that period of time of when they look that way you have about a quarter of a second to then have their body weight to you know supporting it so that they don't go down and hit their and hit their head or be be hurt And that happened to her a couple weeks ago and this is a woman that's very adept with wearing masks all the time so um yes they're not meant to be worn with exertion they're meant to be worn standing you know right uh but you know again really the the masking debate is 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 a whole other situation that we'd like to keep over here and the discussion that we've had with our mla with our superintendent with the school board and whatnot is that we specifically have to look at the risk of specifically in this case small children on long bus times being unsupervised wearing something that covers their face that if we can't see that there is somebody in distress for whatever reason literally whatever reason i'm not standing here saying the mask is going to cause this child to pass out i'm saying if we cannot see their face and we cannot see there's something wrong how are we ever going to successfully intervene
0: yeah, we're setting. We up. are
1: setting them up to fail. We are setting up everybody to fail, and we're set. You know these poor bus drivers that have to follow through with these mandates. You know the school board. The buck does not stop with them.
0: Yeah, we're we're setting things up to fail. Yes. Right. We're creating more risk instead of a, you know yeah. a risk reward. Right. And yeah. And when you you. Put it, frame it there very nicely right this isn't just about a kid can't breathe this is about all the different underlying things that could happen to a kid and you can't see what's going on
1: yes specifically you can't see what's going on and more so there's nobody there to see what's going on there's the bus driver who has x number of kids on her bus who looks in the mirror every few seconds or whatever it is uh who's busy driving the bus honestly she's You know every time a a kindergartner falls asleep is she gonna get up and go and Wake them up and see if they're okay. Yeah, she definitely could would that Result in something that is going to be effective. Well, it's gonna increase bus times significantly I can tell you that every 15 minutes I gotta get up and go wake them up and see if they're okay because they can't see them. Yeah, you know That's not a that's not a that's not a, a solution here and it's not a huge step To say that going from school where grade 4 and under doesn't have to be masked. To then going on to the bus. Who of course is associated with the school. To say grade 4 and under doesn't have to be masked. This is not a big step we're making here.
0: No, you, you,
1: you know. You hope,
0: I hope, that politicians do the right thing. Yeah. That AHS does the right thing. And next week, like, like as they sit. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't, this shouldn't take four months to figure out. No. Because the thing we're walking into, we both know this. The thing we're walking into is this little thing up here called, Oh wait, winter. And it's going to be here for a while, which means it's going to be dark on those buses next. Yeah. And they're going to be how many layers you got to put on your five-year-old. Yeah. Right. And then just stack on a mask and a toque and everything else. And I mean, sure. Take the toque off, take the gloves off. We we get it. Like as a parent, you instruct your kids and I'm sure the bus drivers do too. We're just, at the same time, there's going to be more layers, more hindrances on seeing what's actually happening yeah. in the darkest, yeah. worst part of the year coming up.
1: Yeah, we're automatically going to have, like you said, all these other things going, you know, covering them. And then we're adding this one more thing. And and so it, it just becomes, a, you know, honestly, a tipping point, really, of of how difficult do we want to make this to assess children? You know... I've had the the school board come back with me and say, well, you know, what if we have other children around them assessing them? I mean, think about that for a second. I I had a hard time responding to that one because I said, how dare you put the health and well-being of another child on on the next child over who is... You know, even a teenager dealing with the stresses of being a teenager in school or whatever it is, everybody's dealing with something. I mean, yeah, we all need to be looking out for each other. Obviously, if they see something wrong, they need to, you know,
0: help. Yes. yes. They need to
1: say something, at least to the, to the bus driver. But how dare you pass the onus onto the child sitting next to them when this is a mandate made by adults?
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny though. That's what, that's what's yeah. become a trend of uh, of all the mandates right mm-hmm. the government is passing the buck on to businesses and now mm-hmm. businesses have to mandate it mm-hmm. and it just keeps getting pushed lower and lower and lower yeah. so now that you know if you're a business in town you have to mandate people what they're doing yeah. right you're yeah. a restaurant you got to be the one checking and if you don't the government's going to fine you mm-hmm. it's like right this is all stemming back to what's where is the root problem here mm-hmm. we've hit around it about seven times now mm-hmm. government right? Like you want to get upset with somebody, you know, I really, I really feel for your bus driver because,
1: yes.
0: (laughs) And, and, and bus drivers, you know, Mm -hmm. I I mentioned off the hop, like, man, some, I have some great memories of being on the bus and in a rural school setting of going to a friend's house and getting to go on somebody else's bus, right? It was always cool. Yeah. the Bus drivers were awesome. I assume it's, it hasn't changed. Um, so my heart breaks for the bus driver as well, because here's a person that is in a situation that we, you know, you mentioned off the hop, like they're not allowed to touch the kids. Well, and obviously there was a part of that uh, once upon a time that was founded in like this really good thing, right? We're not going to lay hands on kids and and, and whatever, except there should be a giant asterisk, like, unless this happens, then you're more than in your power and right to pull the mask off, to to check vitals, to like yeah. provide first aid, to invite the dad on the bus immediately. Mm-hmm. Because like, if there's a, if there's a situation, there's a situation, like you, it's a first aid response. Like you got to, you got you to gotta act. And every second counts at that yeah. point. Yeah. And you know, you just, I, I run it back. and I go, man, that's a, I feel for the bus drivers because like, I really want to make sure that it's clear, and I, I'm sure we have made it clear. Like, there should be no uh, hate thrown at, at bus drivers now no. because of what happened on no. one bus. Like, bus drivers provide a pretty kick-ass service, yeah. and they are underappreciated for what they do yeah. and dealing with our children at the end of long days or early in the morning and everything else. Yeah. And lots of them are just like awesome people. Kids love them, right? Like, yeah. but at the end of the day, they're put in those situations that's De- or is is gonna fail at some point?
1: They're being set up to fail, and I I tried to be you know very explicit in my in my letter that I wrote initially, um, and to all the conversations that I've had since, uh, with with all the different heads that this is not on the head of the bus driver. This is you know this has to be coming down from the top. You know who they're they're being told this is the mandate this is what you have to do and if you do not do it you lose your job
0: yeah follow the rules
1: Yeah. so can you blame somebody for wanting to preserve their job I guess it depends on where where you stand on that whole thing I mean how much of a foot you want to put in the sand but Ultimately, that's their livelihood. So they're just doing what they're told to continue to, you know, have their livelihood as they are. So, no, we cannot, we cannot have a simple fall person being, you know, a bus driver, any bus driver. We can't have a simple fall person even honestly being the school board because they're working in the confines of what the mandate has been given. Having said that, teachers have a teachers union that is their voice who is the voice for the children it's the parents right but now we've been taken we've had the ability to choose of what's for what's safe for our children taken away if we had the choice to say yes or no to masking or whatever it is and something like this happened and I had said yes put this mask on Hudson he's going to school with this and this happened who would I have to blame I would have to blame myself as I should I am the parent my job is to make the decisions of what is safe for him but this was not my decision this is a decision that's been enforced so now had the worst happened had there been a fatality in this situation of a five-year-old who, as we know, is not going to die from COVID. And he doesn't need to be busy protecting me with a mask on because I've made my choices. As have I. As we all have. I don't need my five-year-old to protect me or my parents or anybody else around him. So had the worst happened here, had it been 10 more minutes, whose head would I have on a stake? you know, not actually saying that. Yeah, figuratively. Figuratively speaking. (laughs) Who would I be suing for not enough money to make this ever better? Who would be, you know, sitting in front of a judge in court taking the fall for this? And because it wasn't my decision, it's somebody's that enforce this so where would this go and like we've said over and over again during this interview the buck stops with the government and the important thing that we have to note here and that what I discussed with our MLA is that this and and actually he voiced this he said this he said to me what how can this change right now because as it stands, this happened on, you know, a Tuesday, on the Thursday, we drove him to school. I say Tuesday, Thursday, cause that's kindergarten. Right now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he won't be going back on that bus until this changes. So, and that's him, but for all of the other children out there, yeah. you know, and like he said, how does this change tomorrow? How do we invoke this change ASAP? so that's the goal and that's what we're going to you know that's what we're going to the you know higher levels of government and alberta health with and because you know the the hope is that this was just simply an overlooked situation that 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 them sitting in their in their you know, city situations where ride times are probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes. They're not long. Children probably aren't falling asleep and whatnot and being unsupervised for that length of time that they just didn't realize.
0: Man, I, uh, once again, I have zero idea. You know, a Mm -hmm. guy should have looked, there's probably a study somewhere Mm -hmm. that is on, uh, bus wait times Mm -hmm. uh you know how long and i have no idea about the cities Mm -hmm. Uh, you might get after this you might get a couple of responses of actually bus wait times in the cities are long i have no idea yeah um i just i have no idea like it's just so foreign to me yeah uh how can how can people how can people help
1: yes that's a good question um so you know the the more people that hear about this and and You know it's fantastic that people are sharing this on social media and and you know a lot of people are becoming either you know enraged over the situation or have other opinions Um, that's all fantastic but ultimately you know having discussions with 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 individuals um, is 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 other than raising awareness isn't so much the goal here the goal is to target the people that are going to make this change. And so what everybody can do out there to make this change, to put the pressure on to make this change, is to write their MLA, is to write their uh, education minister, is to write the health minister, to write their school board, their superintendent. And that's a start. You can add in your MP as well. And, and the more they hear about this, the more pressured they're going to be to, to make a stance and you know speaking with RMLA, when I contacted him and man he responded with, with an excellent email back to me, again compassionate, that he feels that this is enough of a serious, potential serious incident to move on a change here. Um, But he said already, and this was within 24 hours of the incident, he had heard, he'd gotten so many emails from people already. So he was very much already aware of the situation, you know, before I had even reached out um, and had already been in in discussions with, you know, education and, and health regarding it. So the more people that put the pressure on and send these letters, because if you want to affect change, write a letter you know you can't you can't just go on social media and write an angry post that's not going to get you anywhere if you want to affect change write a letter those are not disregarded so that's what everybody can do out there and I think that's you know that's what we need to do um we've touched on the fact that this apparently now is not an isolated incident that it's happening to a lot of different children But even if it was, even if this was the only child that this ever happened to, there's such a strong narrative out there that, you know, every child matters, every situation, every child matters, no matter what they're being put into. So even if this was just Hudson that this happened to, that's one too many.
0: Well, I'll say this. In going into conversations like this, I've been trying, you know, how can we constructively change what's going on? And the only thing that comes back uh, to me is politics. Obviously, politics have the ability to enact change. The only way politics enacts change is when the population says they want it. Yeah. which is why um you uh coming forward with the story um getting people that are like-minded that understand or have had similar experiences and are willing to write the letters and put pressure on you know and we'll talk yours uh, ours i guess garth right immediately when he feels that it gives him the power to walk in the room and say listen guys this ain't right but I'm going to be extremely disappointed if this isn't changed within a week. Like, I don't know, you know, Garth will hear that and he'll go, well, actually, that, it takes a month or something, right? Like somewhere, somebody's going to be like, Sean, you don't know how it works. Well, I said this to another guy that uh, I think we need to start thinking about how politics actually works out because what are we doing here? <laughs> like, we all, as parents, can stare at different situations with our young children and go. This isn't right, but we don't feel like we have the power to to step in and go like no. And I'm not saying bust into the schools. I'm not saying bust onto the buses. I'm just saying if you go back to it, politics has the ability to change it for us, and yeah. we're poli- we're the clients. So yeah. we need to start putting pressure on the mm-hmm. right spots. Yeah. And our MLAs, MPs are a good start. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And and, and you know we have to point out that. That that somebody has to advocate for these children, yeah. and if it's you know the superintendents, the trustees, the school board trustees, because like we said, the 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 teachers don't need advocating for, but the the because they have their the children need that, and if these people that are in a position of power cannot put their foot in the sand and say this has to change because they're too scared of losing their job, of the backlash, then that is not the job for them. They should be willing to put their job, everything on the line to advocate for the children because that is literally what they're there to do. And if they're not willing to do that, they need to consider another career.
0: I'm going to give you a, I agree 110% with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, that fire right there is, I think a ton of parents see it that way. Yeah. One of the cool, I had Eric Payne on, uh, uh doctor from the children's hospital. Yep. And one of the cool things that I'm seeing happen right now behind closed doors, or maybe it's more public than I give it credit, is all these, you know, we got for kids sake uh, that meets, uh, had been meeting regularly and Kid Scotty um, still meets regularly. i, I, I uh, but that group is specific to here. Mm-hmm. And I was, j- Eric Payne just uh, literally um, put put me in contact with like two or three groups in Calgary. We know of groups like this all across Saskatchewan, Moose Jaw, all through uh, Regina, Saskatoon, et cetera. Yeah. And it's all looking, if I could, if there's any, if there's people listening to this, I, what I'm trying to say is I think there's a ton of power in it we just have to find a way to to unite it so that it can actually put the right amount of pressure on the right spot. And I've been, I feel like we've all been searching for where the pressure point is. Well, the pressure point is government. Like I think, you know, the more, more we do this song and dance, it's like, we, we all understand where the, where the pressure is coming from. It's coming from up top. So how do we put pressure on Mm. them so that they change it and get rid of some of these things. And when it comes to kids, a lot of this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And we are seeing it. We're like, your story is just another one, of where kids are doing things, and everybody's like, huh. And my fear is always creating chaos when I when I talk about it aloud with people, because the anger goes to people that we all respect. There's lots of teachers we all love, bus drivers, uh, school boards, etc. Right? Yeah. But at some point here, we got to find a way to unite everybody so that we can put pressure on the MLA's so that they have the power and the confidence to go walk in and go like, this isn't right anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting, I think I'm starting to see it with all these different groups forming people all over uh, Saskatchewan, Alberta country, probably probably all over the world are trying to figure a way of bring the parents together, bring the brandies together and, and go write the letters, put pressure And get this changed so that kids aren't exposed to this anymore
1: yeah yeah no exactly and uh, and if you are watching this and thinking geez I'm gonna write my my letter I mean fantastic and I will tell you that it will not be falling on deaf ears and that everybody like I've said the school board or MLA um, superintendent is in agreement on this situation this isn't a fight that we're having to convince those people of what's happened here everybody's in agreement that it has to change that's in a position to then move forward with enacting a change so um the more the more that they hear from people it's just going to provide them with more and more evidence and strength to uh, push for that.
0: I really hope you're right. Um mm. the one thing I fear, yeah, you, you know, um I sat down with a guy from iCore Labs. Yeah, you're obviously Monday's episode. Today is Monday if people are tuning in. And then uh, the episode after you is the president of icor Labs. They do antibody testing. Um yeah. you know, test for you have the if you've had COVID or if you've had the vaccine, if you have the antibodies to fight off COVID, right? And, uh, I really hope governments listening will listen to this because he's a guy that has a test that shows people with natural immunity. Now, I'm not trying to pull you into all these different taboo discussions, but one of the things that I find really like it hurts my brain is when it comes to what he does, he runs a business that tests people for antibodies. Mm-hmm. He can show... Two tests. One person who's tested with COVID, one person who had double vax, they both show the same antibodies. In my brain, that's what we're trying to get to, right? Is like where we're all protected. Yeah, But they don't recognize the one. And it's like, but why? Why aren't we doing that? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's our own government that won't listen to it. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to this, when it comes to kids, I think, Every, like one of the issues we've had over the last, and I, I, I've been guilty of this. I think a lot of people have been guilty of this, is empathy. We've, we've almost lost the ability to be empathetic to everyone's situation, right? Like everybody has their perspective. Everybody has their story. You know, the, the ice nurse is a heck of a lot different than, I don't know, the guy who worked on the rigs all through this or yeah. the school teacher, right? They all have their different perspectives of what they're seeing. And the five-year-old kid is certainly a heck of a lot different than all three of those. Yeah, And we have to find a way to get back to being humans again, where we have a sense of community, treat one another with respect. We have dialogue and conversation. We're willing to listen to the other side. But we do what's right. And mm-hmm. when it comes to kids, after hearing your story, I don't know who can say... Well, I just don't know who can go... Like, we shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. This is why we shouldn't, right? Like, I think it's pretty hard to refute Brandy. That's what I think, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: No, I, and, and, you know, exactly. It is extremely hard to refute because this ha- this situation that happened to him, you know, is, like I said, was he too hot? Was it a combination of stuff? As my doctor put it is this the toddler version of sids right but more so than that like we've said extrapolate this to any child in distress where you can't see them yeah so and that's uh, because that's where it has its power
0: and understand you said it that people in veterinary school that are doing that that have to wear it 50 over 50 percent will pass out and that's adults that are Trained in how to wear a bloody mask, like well, that yes, just... and our
1: training exactly. and we train them to do it, right? Because you don't this is not a normal thing to have something cover your face. So we teach them how to, you know, work with that, how to get used to it, and whatnot. And it's not normal. And it's just passing out is just that it's so normal. With these masks, when we're teaching these people to do it,
0: yeah, we normalize yeah. weird things. Yeah,
1: and I, I think a lot of people don't realize that—that that it is so. It, it is, and why would they, right? Because unless you're in these types of professions, you wouldn't realize that. Um, but, but for the you know the layperson out there that doesn't real realize that type of situation, um, you know it. It kind of speaks to how passive we've been i guess uh with the you know use of these masks for all the situations that they're used in now like you mentioned children doing sports in them like that's that's crazy it to happened. me when i st- i stand there and watch fully grown adults hit the floor from just standing there
0: listen right now <laughs> I want, right now as it sits okay yeah I'll speak to I'll speak to senior hockey. Uh, something I, you know, as you can tell from the walls, you know, I love hockey, mm-hmm. love senior hockey. Played for on for many years, had a lot of great times. And what they're forced with as a league this year, and all Saskatchewan um, is forced with the same choice. I can't speak to Alberta and other provinces. I'll just speak Saskatchewan. Uh, since it's eighteen plus, if they aren't all double vaccinated. They all have to wear masks to play hockey. Mm-hmm. That's that's the rule. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that makes it's. You might as well just say, listen, you can't play because to have them all play with masks on. I mean, all it is is a to think that's going to be successful is <laughs> is laughable, right? Yeah. And it's just be, it just becomes more pandemic th- uh, uh, yeah. theater, right? It's just yeah. a pandemic theater. So they're gonna all wear it, okay? But then we're not even like going back to what you just said in the profession that, that you have to train to wear a mask. Fifty percent still are gonna pass out because mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable. It's trying to figure out how your body. Geez, if you don't eat breakfast, right? Like all these things impact how so wearing many a mask.
1: Things,
0: yeah. And we're still as governments out here, right? In order to have a senior hockey league play, you either all got to be double vaxxed, Mm -hmm. or if anyone's unvaxxed, you all have to wear a mask and play a competitive senior hockey game that is full on exertion. I have, you know, you're you're talking about some men that maybe aren't in the best of shape anymore. Lots of them are, but Mm -hmm. there's some guys still playing that aren't exactly tip top Mm -hmm. shape. To have them wear anything is, I'll say it, batshit crazy.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Ultimately, uh, to play devil's advocate, it's a choice, right? You could not. In this situation that we're talking about with these children in school, what's the choice? There is not a choice. They can't, he couldn't have stuck his head, hand up on the bus and said, you know what? I need to go outside right now to get some fresh air. That's not a choice. He couldn't, you know so what do you do? Homeschool? Online learning? How do you online learn a kindergartner? The whole experience of kindergarten is going to school. I mean, people definitely do it and, you know, grade on them and whatnot. But we shouldn't be forced to change what we want for our children in schooling um, because of, of 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 this risk, right? Or trying to avoid this risk, I, guess, I should say. So you know this and and they're so, they're too scared because they've been told by their teachers by everybody around them if you take your mask off you're in trouble
0: or you're going to infect people
1: yeah they're too scared and they're yeah. too young to they don't have the life experiences yet to say doesn't matter I don't feel good right now I'm removing myself from this situation
0: Listen, at 17, you don't have the life experiences that, that I did. We all did stupid shit yes. at the age of 17 to probably 25. Yes. I'm not saying that you don't have enough to make your own choices. I think we've made it pretty clear uh, in our country that at 18, you get to vote. You get to join the army. You get to do a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. You get to drink. Yeah. I mean, in parts of it, uh, certainly 19, but you get to get the general consensus. Yeah. In school, we deem kids young and therefore ill-equipped to make giant decisions. But right now, we're acting like they can. Yeah, That's been the last two years, It's probably yeah. been longer than that. There's probably parents that'll tell me that it's been the last decade, that yeah. we keep putting more and more uh, of life-altering choices on children. Now, yeah. that's a conversation for a different time. Where we're at right now is we have kids that are being put in places where we've deemed what we're doing is safe. Mm-hmm. And we've just talked about it for now for an hour. That what we deemed as safe is actually causing risk, and that risk can and will affect kids all over the country, not just here. Yeah. Because rural busing is a thing in this country because our country is big, and wide and spread out, which means you bice bus- you bus for a long time. That's 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 what it is. Yeah. So this is something that all parents across the province across the country should poke their head up and go, Oh man, that is unnerving.
1: Yeah. Because like me, they probably never realized that that was even a consideration of a risk. Yeah. Like I said before, i never even crossed my mind. And, and not only do we have to enact change here, but we have to make people aware so that, so that they know that this is a risk. Like you know, if you drink and drive, that there is a very big risk there.
0: <laughs> or if you smoke a pack of cigarettes.
1: Yes, exactly. So people need to be aware of risks, and this is not even something that was even like I said. I wouldn't even consider it.
0: I don't think. I don't think most parents would consider it. You we know. just rationalize. Yeah, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like they're gonna. Yeah. Like I can just hear my brain thinking about it. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this was this was not me going on a you know a, a rampage against masking and from you know, the start with this, we've, I've done everything I can to, you know, try to keep things moving forward with complying with, you know, mandates with doing what I can to be, you know, safe in the community. Um, for the most part, I've just kept my head down and continued to yeah. work. I haven't made a, a, a stink about it. I haven't done, you know, because I believe that we would get through this.
0: I think everybody believes exactly. Get this.
1: Yeah. And then this happened and that's, it is now something that is, I am so steadfast with that I will have to continue it till the end.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming in and, and telling uh, your story and where you're at. I'm really like as a parent with the same age kid going through the same experiences like kindergarten for the first year, I'm like really happy to hear everything's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, well, I I don't know how I would have had this conversation if it was a different spot. And I don't mean to be morbid. I just I don't know if I could have like I probably would have been a blubbering mess. Like I just it sounds cheesy to say that I just like to me, the amount of times that I even talk about it, my hair rate. Like it's just it's it's so I can just put myself in your situation and understand that this is Terrifying, and I would have never thought about it. Uh, listen, we just rationalized it how many times that you yes. didn't think about it. Yeah. Regardless, I appreciate you coming in, and um, uh, I will make sure that anybody that reaches out and trying to get a hold of you that type of thing that uh, we we find a way that they can constructively help with whatever direction uh, this pushes you. Um, before I let you go, we normally, you know, it's been funny. I, I've been doing this final segment now for two years, the Crude Master Final Five. Uh and the thing is is as the the um conversations have evolved I've just changed it into the the final question with Crude Master. Uh I'm sure listeners have caught on to that. Um but with you I normally the question I ask is who you'd want to sit down with uh to pick their brain like this. But I think in this situation I'm 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 curious with this um direction you're about to head right and trying to put pressure on ahs the government etc who who do you want to get in a room with i think is my final question for Yes. You this. who who can we put the pressure on to come sit and hear this and try and make them like they can't dance this i guess is where i'm at so who's the person you you need to get in front of and I'd like to see if we, like for you, I'd like to see that happen, I guess. So who's the one person, have you thought about that? Of like, we need to get in front of this person.
1: Yes. Um, actually, you know, as I've been working through this and and starting with, you know, the, the levels that you would go through and working your way up um, with discussions with how to move this forward and, and enact change. Um, and the... The person that I have my, my, my site set on to have an in-person discussion with is uh, Dr. Hinshaw. 100% it comes down to her and I say that because the government, our government has given so much power to AHS to make the decision and that office you know, the Office of Public Health, and that they've sloughed it off onto them, honestly. They've given her so much power, or that office, that position, so much power to enact these mandates. So I need to have a conversation with her to describe to her the scenario that happened and ask her face to face, what would she have done had the worst happened? And how would she have made it better? And how will she make that so that it doesn't happen again? So I would love to speak with as many people as I can about this, but I want to have this conversation with her. As a mother,
0: I hope she'll listen. I hope she'll take that.
1: Yeah.
0: I appreciate you coming in, and doing this with me, uh, and being open about it. I listen. The best case scenario happened, right? Yes. Hudson's okay. Yeah. Things are great. It does not take away um, the emotions I see on your face right now. Yeah. Uh, as parents, we all have had. I assume I, I know from our experience we've had those scenarios where you know, if I go back to certain points, it does exactly what is happening to you right now. Yeah. And so I just really, really appreciate you coming in, sharing it, being open, um, to letting the audience hear what happened, what you're doing. I I think the world needs more people like Brandy to go and uh, draw the line in the sand. I hope it doesn't, come, it doesn't have to come uh, to the same spot that Hudson got to. Like, that's not just that we need more people to take a stance and to say no more, like no more. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, <laughs> you know, by doing this, it spurs on opening up doors for you mm-hmm. um, to get to the people you need to talk to. Because I think you and the way you've talked today... Uh, I have a lot of hope that it's going to do a lot of good.
1: I sure hope so. My job as a veterinarian is advocating for animals and working with their, you know, their owners on how to, you know, ensure that they have the best possible life and outcome. On a daily basis, that's my job is advocating for them. We need to advocate for our children. Because they can for themselves. Yeah. So for me, this is not a big leap. I've been advocating for, you know, my children, my entire, you know, their entire life, I should say. And now we need to take it that much, that step further.
0: Well, thanks again for, for coming in and doing this. Thank you for having me. Hey, folks. Thanks for joining us today. If you just stumbled on the show, please click subscribe. Then scroll to the bottom and rate and leave a review. I promise it helps. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, we will have a new guest sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcast fix. Until next time.